Hi, this is Sharice Kenyon, and you're listening to the Beauty Me podcast, all about beauty beyond the BS. This week's guest is someone I kind of had a fangirl moment over. I cannot remember when or how I first discovered Navaz Butliwala's writing, but I do remember how much I loved the name of her blog, Disney Roller Girl. I think maybe it's because the Roller Girl part reminds me of one of my all-time favorite films, which is Boogie Nights. I don't know, but it, it just grabbed me. Once I got into her writing, I just loved how she wrote. I feel like Navaz is the writer I've always wanted to be, kind of behind the scenes, but always ready to get down to the nitty gritty of research and just really about getting to know and embrace a subject. And I feel like Navaz could turn her writing to any subject. Navaz has spent much of her writing career mostly focused on fashion and beauty is more of a recent focus for her. So far, she's written two successful books on the culture surrounding both fashion and beauty. In 2016, she wrote The New Garçon, How to Be a Modern Gentlewoman, which I still need to read myself. And last year, she turned her attention to beauty rituals with her book Face Values, which is a book I adore. This book, kind of what this podcast is, talking to people about rituals, what they like about their routines, whether that's tea in the morning or skincare, facial oils, massage. It's just a beautiful book. The imagery is gorgeous. And I think if you're into beauty and imagery, you will love Face Values. I'm not plugging it. I bought the book myself off Amazon. I'll leave the link in the show notes for you. Despite the years of enjoying Navaz's writing, it was Face Values that finally made me have the courage to ask her onto the podcast. Hopefully you can't hear the fangirl in me and hopefully you just find it a really fun, inspiring conversation between two women who happen to love writing and movies and rituals and always stay curious about the changing world around us. I'm not going to say much more, but I do think this is the perfect episode to grab your favorite beverage and just come and chill out with us. Let me know if you're already a fan of Navarre's and be sure to tag Navarre's at Disney Roller Girl and me at Beauty Me Podcast when you're listening. Enjoy. I want to know how you wake up, like the truth from the moment you open your eyes. Like what, how, what's your morning routine? So, um, yeah, my morning routine, well, it, it varies whether I'm having a busy week or a not so busy week. So if I'm having a busy week, that's usually if I'm working on, I, I have a, um, as well as doing freelance writing, I also do some kind of more corporate consultancy work. So if it's a week like that where there's loads of Zoom calls and meetings and I need to be like at my desk at, you know, 9.30 in the morning, then I'll have a more of a kind of like normal wake up routine. So probably get up about 7.30, um in terms of like checking social media and stuff like that first thing morning the only thing I really do before I kind of get out of bed is check check my emails check the headline so I, I tend to get a business of fashion both business retail week I don't subscribe to retail week so I just get the headlines in the email and yeah. like the top line one-liner and, the, and that's kind of enough just to get the headlines and I can't actually read it because I don't subscribe but at least <laughs> I kind of like, feel like I know what's going on in the world and I may, yeah, no, I'm not that, I'm not that bothered about checking like Instagram messages and stuff like that. I'm not that important, <laughs> but I just want to kind of like get up and get out of bed. And then I'll just get straight into shower. I tend to like watch, um, 
watch YouTube videos in the shower because I've got like, it's like an ensuite shower. So like, there's a wash basin in front of me and I prop up my iPad <laughs> and I play like <laughs> 80s and 90s music videos that kind of like gets me going. And my boyfriend thinks I'm so sad. Um, and yeah, and then what do I do? Then out of the shower, then I do my skincare. And I really like doing my skincare, but I tend to take more time over that in the evening when I've got more time, obviously. Uh, or if it's not a super busy week, then that's kind of like when I enjoy that that morning mm-hmm. routine. Um, yeah, and so I don't really get get my sort of morning coffee. I don't really have breakfast. I tend to get my morning coffee um, just before I get to my desk. And especially if I've got like a Zoom first thing in the morning, I need to get my coffee mm-hmm. because that would like fire me up. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, I need to know because anyone that's listening that maybe doesn't know you, like, you know beauty inside out you know fashion inside out so I need you to rewind back to the shower and the skincare I need I feel like you're a necessaire person but I need to know what are you using in the shower well that's funny because I'm quite attracted to their branding and Mm. stuff I mean you say that I you feel like I know everything there is to know and I don't feel like that at all I love learning I know Never want to call myself an expert because I feel like, how can you possibly know everything? Um, but I love researching. I love learning. And Necessaire, I feel like when it came out, I'm sure I saw some reviews that said it wasn't all that. So because I read those reviews, I was like, oh, bummer. And now that it's come out over here, I'm like, I want to get it, but not if it's shit. <laughs> <laughs> so I switched between literally basic, um, like my boyfriend uses whatever that um there's a really basic drugstore you know unscented body wash that you get from tesco metro and i can't remember what it's called oh sanix he uh, uses sanix so basic yeah. basic whenever we run out we just get a big one of those yeah and then that's that's kind of like what you're using for a few days until you've gone to get like your your lovely you know ren or whatever the other one is <laughs> so uh so yeah it's either a big basic sanix or I love, actually, I really like aromatherapy. There's a shower, shower gel, shower wash kind of thing. Okay. Um, and then skincare <clears throat> in the shower, I've been using CeraVe SA Smoothing Cleanser. And that is because, it's funny really, because I'm a really like tactile. I love kind of like the sensorial aspect of beauty. Mm-hmm. So I love scented aromatherapy products, etc., And like really lovely kind of textures and like oils and balms and everything like that. I've just been trying out this um, this subscription service. I actually wrote about on my blog, mm-hmm. and it's and it's really interesting because they they sort of like you have a consultation, an online consultation, and they recommend they kind of prescribe you your routine. So these are the four products we think you should use for the next twelve weeks. Mm-hmm. And I've decided to stick to it because you know, there's no point doing it for for two yeah. weeks. You, you have to do the whole thing. So I thought, yeah, I'm just going to carry on with it. And I actually really like it. But the only thing is, the, the products they recommended are quite functional. So wow, as so much you're as missing I like out on that. I also like, yeah, I'm missing out on that. So this is a CeraVe and it's basic kind of like wash off cleanser. So it's good, but it's not my preferred kind of oil or balm cleanser. Oh. I would normally have either, there's a really good Muji oil cleanser. Okay. Um, what's the other one? There's a really famous. Um, oh, there's the Eve Long, so, there's the Elemis ones. Yeah, you know, I'm really sorry. I'm so bad at recalling. <laughs> I have brain fog, <laughs> but. Um, it will come to me. So yeah, any basically any facial oil, I mean cleansing oil, I love. Uh, but I, I am enjoying using this at the moment. And then I go in with um, 
I feel like I'm doing a YouTube tutorial now. Yeah, because I go in with I'm my go in with I because I say it and I'm like, who started that? <laughs> now I'm gonna go in with this. Like, what do we go in? I'm just gonna put this on my face. I love it. It's such a I thing. love all that language. It's just <laughs> so funny. It's from watching YouTube videos and it, it, everything comes from watching the Americans. And the thing that cracks me up is years and years ago when I started my blog, I tried to write in this kind of sassy, American, Jezebel kind of way. And it's so cringe. I get (laughs) it. after a while, I was like, who do you think you are? That word, you know what, (laughs) sassy. I hate the word sassy so much. I think think somebody sent it to me in a brief about what they wanted me to write. And I was like, oh, sassy. But I know what you mean. I feel like, America is kind of like the king of everything when it comes to media and then beauty even. So when you're a writer in the UK, you you might feel like you need to act up a little bit to like translate. So I get that. But you've been writing for so long now. I know you've honed your, like you know your voice. Yeah, you're right. In fact, that's probably why I started doing it unconsciously. Well, I wanted to practice writing kind of every day sort of thing and writing about things that I wanted to write rather than to a brief. And, um, and over time, yeah, I found my voice. And even if sometimes I write something, I think, oh, God, that sounds really stupid. I'm like, well, that is how I think and speak. So I'm just going to go with it. So, yeah, I go in with, um, <laughs> this is a, do you pronounce it Cosrix? Oh, Cosrix. I feel like Americans oh, say, say Cosrix. What does it mean? I don't even know. But anyway, I know it's, I a, know. it's a well-known brand. <laughs> and... Um, this is the hyaluronic acid hydra power essence and i've never used an essence before because i like Ooh. to keep things streamlined but i really love it so it's quite sort of watery and you pat it on and yeah. i, I, I kind of like do this oh yeah i do that um, quite a lot <laughs> like slap myself to get some color well i don't i don't normally with anything else but mm. i heard that you should do it with these like really watery types mm. of things anyway i, I kind of like it i like doing that so i do that first and then i have um a really nice Serum and these two are by the Inky List, which again I've heard of and I know about, but I've never used them because they they are quite functional looking. But what is great about them, having used the the serum and the moisturizer, is that the the branding, the packaging, it's so self-explanatory. It's very well explained that the, you know the order that you use things and you can use this with this and all the questions that people tend to ask when they get confused about beauty. It's it's very well kind of explained on here. So I actually really like these. So this is a alpha arbutin um serum mm-hmm. for dark spots because this little consultation asks you like what your what your problems might be mm-hmm. and then and then a moisturizer vitamin b c and e moisturizer and again really liking both of those very nice they are actually very nice textures they're not scented but um yeah they're still nice to sort of like massage mm-hmm. and everything um <clears throat> and then i that's kind of what was prescribed to me but then i do tend to like to use an oil facial oil mm-hmm. um i kind of switch between that like, i get sent so many but at the moment i'm using oh, oh i love the creme de la mer one i don't know what it's called but i think uh, it's the only one it's got, probably got one of those kind of miracle sounding names <laughs> which i'm not really a fan of those over the top names but it is really 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 nice and yeah and then makeup do you want to hear about makeup oh i'm waiting for you to say spf because in your book you said yeah SPF, no i is do it? okay <laughs> I, I do, but do you know what? It's because I haven't got it in front of me because I'm probably not going out of the house today and I didn't um didn't put it on. Right. Now what is it? Yes, it's um Helio Care. So it's okay. again this is part of the pres- 
prescribed package that they that they mm-hmm. recommend. And yeah, so I always do definitely if I'm going out, even if I'm just going to the shops, I will put that on. Um there's a really nice Shiseido one. Um, I love Shiseido SPFs. Yeah. I you know, I actually quite like SPFs because I've not had a problem with them being chalky or making my makeup mm-hmm. go weird or whatever. Mm-hmm. I've been quite lucky to choose choose the good ones. So SPF is a really interesting one actually. I feel like that is something that they could make into a like a thing, make it into something that people really want there. to do. But it's it is getting, getting there. there, isn't it? Yeah. With super goop um, and ultraviolet. And all of like, those. Yeah. Which I haven't beautiful. tried, but yeah, they do. They look they look they look like fashion. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. It's like I feel the pandemic kind of helped SPF brands massively because it started out that we weren't going out. So I think they were just like, oh my God, people are going to stop buying SPF. Let's tell them you've got to wear them in front of your computer now. And if you're working from home and you have windows in your house, you still need to wear SPF. And they've just churned out these thinner ones, these lighter ones, very inspired by Korean beauty, like all about just put it on as your base for your makeup. They've really wedged in. Yeah, SPF primer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they have. I'm like, you guys are crafty, but I quite like, Um, I'm trying this Bondi, Bondi Sands one, and it literally just looks like a white moisturizer, and you put it on, it feels really nice. It disappears in seconds. There's no cast. It's actually quite a cheap one, I think, but um, I experiment a lot, but I'm kind of on the fence I wear it inside the house, but sometimes I'm like, do I do I need it? How much it's damage? It's so expensive, and you don't get that much in the bottle, which is like the exactly. elephant in the room, isn't it? Because yes. you're like, okay, I don't understand. Use a quarter of a teaspoon or whatever it is, and then you only the bottle's only this big. Yeah, how does that work? It, it's a trap. It's a trap. That's that's a whole other episode, really. But um, what are your first kind of memories of what beauty is? I guess very first memories inevitably from my mum I mean my mum she's pretty glamorous actually it's that thing where you don't you don't really think of your mum as glamorous when you're young because that's just your mum right but over time like even now she's you know she's always got her lipstick and stuff so my probably my first memory of her would be again like you know she would have her lipstick she's like a she had her Revlon love that red lipstick okay. which is her signature and I'm pretty sure they still make it and, and then when I was a teenager and I always wear red lipstick because it was the 80s and that's what you did <laughs> I um that was what I wore I wore her lipstick and it was just the kind of like the gesture of it you know it's in the tube the kind of like you know very fabulous gesture putting lipstick on and it's actually had one of those she still has one of those like little things that you put the lipstick in it's got the mirror oh you know that kind of like little like, holder <laughs> yeah <laughs> really chic so um I guess seeing your mum putting her makeup on is the kind of like very you know it's like a primary mm. experience of beauty that a lot of people have and then and also the smell like she would use Nivea for I think she used it for her face as well but she would use Nivea and um Vaseline intensive care and it's very strongly scented body kind of lotions and I think again it was the 80s everything was really heavily scented like all the perfumes were really like voluptuous weren't they so um so it's all that kind of stuff and obviously you know I love scent and I feel like the kind of like emotional aspect of scent is really important Mm. so anything that's like related to memory that's something that really catches me um so yeah it was mainly her and then I guess yeah in my teens I'm lucky that I, I grew up in the age of like 
Boy George and New Romantics and Madonna and all this kind of stuff. It was very sort of performative and, you know, more a lot is of more. makeup. Yeah, more is more. And you just wanted to kind of like be a part of that. And, and I guess it's sort of like you're exploring your identity. So you're, you're trying stuff out. <laughs> I remember, I remember me and my sister putting on the full Boy George regalia <laughs> and, then walking down our road to this like greasy spoon cafe at the end of the road because we were kind of like well we want to kind of like dare ourselves to go out in this stuff but like where are we going to go it's like well if you want to walk walk like 50 yards down the road and back again so we went and sat in this greasy spoon kind of awkwardly um i don't know expecting the pats to come out and pap us and went back home again but that was so like kind of cool to us i love that so what was it about the look? Was it hair? Was it makeup? Did you do everything? everything? Actually, yeah, I think we did everything. And um, it, I think it's just you know you're just playing with identity really. So you're you're learning that that makeup, hair, and transforming yourself kind of it's a way to get people at that age anyway. It's a way to get people to take notice of you and a way of you to yeah express parts of yourself. So. I'm sure people, yeah, obviously all teenagers go through that. But I feel like for us, we were lucky because everything was so super theatrical and there was so much variety of who you could like pretend to be from one day to the next. So, you know, there was all this, you know, different, different types of music, genres, et cetera, mm. that you could tap into. And, you know, one day you could be Madonna, the next day you could be Boy George, the next day you could be Grace Jones or someone else. But yeah, well, I guess it was also the advent of MTV and videos and that's was probably why everything was so theatrical because you know visual media they was just, yeah, emerging i just love how you and your sister took that opportunity to be seen whereas if you and your sister were growing up now you'd be seen on your phone would that how would that have affected your creativity or exploring because on your phone you may only see kind of one type like what's popular right now what's trending right now so i'm just wondering how do you think you would have embraced it back then, or do you think you you had a do you think you had it better? Well, obviously, I think I had it better because we always do. But that's such a good <laughs> question. I I do wonder sometimes, like God, you know, what would it be like to be a teenager now? Because it seems like a nightmare with all the all the sort of like comparisonitis and everything that goes on. Um, I wonder really because I was quite shy in some ways. And even now I'm quite shy about putting myself out there. So I would probably want to do, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't want to put myself all out there on, you know, TikTok or wherever, but I would obviously have some sort of, Mm -hmm. and it actually makes me wonder about, you know, when we talk about the metaverse, I've just been writing a research in the metaverse and yeah, rolling my eyes because I'm kind of like, I can't really place myself in it at this point in time for young people. But for young people, I think if you're, because I don't do any sort of gaming, but I think if you're a young person that does gaming, you apparently have been doing this sort of stuff with skins, etc., forever. And so if there is the potential to represent yourself in any way you want, virtually, what would that look like? You know, you can be an animal, you can be like a house, you can be like whatever. I'm like, well, what would I want to represent myself as? And that's too existential a question to answer at this point in time, but if you're a teenager, maybe it's a great thing that you can be whoever and whatever you want outside of your reality, which is, is actually amazing. Mm. So, um, yeah, maybe I would just skip social media and go straight into the metaverse if I was. I think it now. makes sense. 
because I'm scared of the metaverse for different things because I like real life and like real play and but that's me you know like you said because I was very shy growing up and I still think I'm quite shy now even though I speak on camera I think there's still that's worked you know what I mean you probably get that when you need to talk to someone you're gonna talk to them but I was very shy so I'm thinking yeah the metaverse might have been the one for me whereas now I'm growing up I'm like I don't want it I I want to be out in the real air. I want to see the real sea. I want to put real clothes on. I want to put makeup on my face and have my nails in and feel it and interact with that person. But maybe 14-year-old Sharice or 12-year-old Sharice that was going through puberty early and hated being seen by anybody, maybe she would have loved the metaverse. But then the other part of me is like, what if it means that we all turn ourselves into the same look? We all make ourselves really slim and tall and do you know what I mean I'm worried yeah that... I hadn't actually thought about that and you're right because it's, everyone talks about metaverse in a kind of quite innocent way idealistic way as you would when something's new the same way they talked about you know blogging and social media when it was new it's like oh it's going to be this lovely you know everyone's <laughs> going to get along and it's going to be this space. lovely <laughs> idyllic yeah and then um inevitably bad people come along and make it all awful but um yeah, it's it's early days and we don't know yet. But I agree. I I'm very much a sort of tactile in real life kind of person, <clears throat> and I would very much miss that. But I don't know. Like I don't know what the future has for for young people. It's definitely interesting. So I I'm kind of watching it and exploring it. I'm not dismissing it. Well, you no. can't really dismiss the metaverse if you work in our industry. So we'll have to wait and see on that one. But that's the thing, because it is this the industry this industry where you put things on. I'm just like, I'm sitting with you and I've put some makeup on today. I'm just like, so in the metaverse, you're not really gonna see me. You're gonna see a version of me. And I'm gonna see yeah, a but version hold on. of you. Isn't that exactly what makeup does? Is it makeup? Yes. Yes, but 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 I can perfect it even more. Like I've got a breakout right now that I hate. But metaverse me, I can get rid of that and just be flawless and perfect. Metaverse me, that yeah. can be your next podcast. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah, I feel like I could actually talk about this with you for a while. So this is probably the time to get in on it when it's grassroots and it's really nice. But when all the brands start muscling in as they are with their NFTs and yeah. kind of like tenuous links. Um, so tenuous, like... <laughs> It's just, yeah, because I did an episode on NFTs and I was like, you understand, Sharice, don't you? You've had this expert on that's told you. And I'm like, I think so. <laughs> I don't think anyone really understands it. And and they shouldn't because it's evolving still. So there's no definitive, you know, even even when it was Metaverse week, a couple of weeks ago, people were like, what is the Metaverse? You can't say what it is because it, it's not even here yet. And I was like, oh, well, I've just written an article about it. So my understanding is, is this. So everyone has a different understanding because it's kind of like, I'm not like a made up thing. <laughs> That's the thing. You know, like the Emperor's New Clothes, like, well, if everybody believes it, it's real. <laughs> but yeah, it is fascinating. And and when I speak to people that are into it, they're really into it. And I appreciate that. You know, one of the experts that I had on was like, it's really going to democratize things and make things more equal between men and women. And I was like, wow. Okay, let's, let's see. Like you said, it's, yeah. it's early days. 
Right now you've got your book, Face Values, which is a beautiful book about beauty, products, rituals. I love the array of people that are in there, but for the listeners, let's fill in some gaps of young Navars to Navars now with two books under your belt, The New Garçon and Face Values. Yeah. I know your career as a blogger, but let's just go into that for the listeners. Like, Were you like a journalism student at uni? Did you go to uni? Like, What's your path? Yeah, so my path was, um, I, I used to, I, I grew up like loving drawing and loving fashion. So I just used to draw all the time and people were like, you should be a fashion designer. I was like, yeah, great. Oh. I'm going to, I'm going to be a fashion designer because no one knew about any other kind of fashion jobs at the time. <laughs> um, so I, I ended up studying fashion promotion and illustration, which was great combination of things, including journalism, PR, principal posting, illustration, photography, all sorts. And that was really great. But actually, when I when I left, I couldn't get any work as an illustrator and ended up working on in magazines um, fashion department okay. and really liked it. And it's weird. I, I think I'd never thought of being a stylist or anything like that because I just assumed there's not going to be that many jobs out there. <clears throat> I just, I don't know. It never occurred to me, even though I love magazines, I love styling. And so when I kind of got this sideways opportunity to do styling, Although for the first five years, it was just fashion assisting. So I was just like <laughs> sending out. Fetching things. Sending out returns and yeah, assisting on shoots and stuff, which was still good. Um, so yeah, I went into styling and then went freelance. And then it, then I got an opportunity came to do some writing. So I did a combination of fashion, writing and styling together. Then I worked in teen magazines, which was great for six or seven years. Um, so that was at Cosmo Girl in the UK. Amazing. I mean, any anyone who ever gets a chance to work on a teenage magazine should take it. But there aren't any anymore, which is a shame. But it's such a the most fun job you can ever do. Um, and and that was 2007. It finished. And just before I, well, we the magazine folded basically. Just before that happened, I started a blog anonymously, just because I wanted somewhere to, um, as we were saying earlier, just somewhere to to talk about stuff. Just put your thoughts down, practice your writing, get your own voice, etc. I was reading a lot of American blogs and I really loved that kind of, this was the very beginning of blogging, so 2007. So that sort of very spontaneous, immediate, and also questioning tone of voice about the fashion industry. And no one was doing anything then. Business fashion has just started as one man in his laptop. So it was very early days. So that's, um, this is a coincidence. I started doing it and then five months later lost my job. So I had time then to do it more, um, because I went freelance. So I had you know, more time on my hands and I did it anonymously for I think three years <clears throat> because obviously I worked in the industry and I didn't want to sort of like, <laughs> <laughs> I was talking about you yesterday. <laughs> do myself out of job, do myself out of job. So I, I had that. So, but it was actually very interesting to see the emergence of this kind of grassroots movement which is it you know if you're looking at the metaverse i can see parallels so you're just doing it as a few people into this thing and there's a very small community but everyone's like really into it it's a nice safe space etc um and it's only when the commercial people come along that it kind of like ruins everything basically because it just then becomes about something completely different Mm -hmm. but um i was freelance for well i've been freelance since 2007 so what is that 15 years yeah 15 years so i i have since since then, I've carried on my blog. I've never really monetized my blog that much. I've done it, but it's never been my main 
thing. Yeah. I've always done other things as well, which which means that I then I can then um I can then be more more honest. With yeah, my you blog, can basically. still have the bloggers your thoughts, like not somebody else's. I totally get that. Yeah, completely. And then I've done yeah, I've done two books. So I did the new gospel, which actually came from a publisher approaching me because they like the blog. And they, they asked if I had any ideas to do a book. Yeah. And I did actually have an idea. So I had the idea for the new guys on, but just as, you know, we all have ideas for everything. So I was like, wouldn't it be good if someone did a book like this? And I just did a Pinterest board <laughs> because yeah. I didn't think I was going to do a book. So then when that opportunity came along, it was almost ready made. Um, and then I did, yeah, I did some styling, not so much styling anymore, but I still do a lot of writing. I do brand consultancy. Um, I do a little bit of teaching occasionally. So I like to do things that cross over, you know, fashion, beauty. Um, I just, you know, I love all the kind of like anything about retail and. So spending and stuff. And also the culture of fashion, I think, is really interesting because everyone writes about the business of fashion now. So whereas I did start writing about that quite a lot of on my blog, it's really hard to keep up with that information now because it's just relentless. It is. So I'm quite interested in the culture of fashion, the culture of beauty. Just that that's a bit more of a personal insight in a way. So, yeah. So what made you? Because you know earlier on you were like, well, I don't know everything about beauty, but obviously you'd written the new garçon, which I need to read myself. Um, And then how? What was the gap between that and face values? Your beauty book. Yeah, good question. So I got interested in beauty properly I would say about 10 years ago I mean I used to laugh with my beauty editor when I worked on Cosmo because I thought she had the most amazing job and I was like why was this never a thing like why did people always talk about fashion magazines and fashion editing but no one ever talked about the beauty editor role and you know I'm very visual so I love beauty pages and I love even the still life pages where they cut off the list oh my god me like too that. I used to love the American Vogue ones because they would always get is it Irving Penn he would just make this yeah. just art out of all these bits. Completely. And Allure magazine was incredible in the, in the 2000s and, and 90s as well. So um, so I always had that love for beauty and products, and especially like reading those American magazines, all those brands that you couldn't get, and then they could come over here and all that excitement. But I, I think 10 years ago, it was when beauty became much a much bigger part of fashion and fashion week. So it coincided with social media. So you would get, um, brands started to realize that when they had like a Chanel show, if they showed the backstage of the beauty, it would mean that a customer could tap into that, that collection just by changing their lip color or whatever. Uh, I remember actually uh, a show, I think it was a Chanel Couture show where they put a camera inside the hair of one of the models and then they put a video out which was like the, the hair's eye view, hair wow. eye view of the show. It was really, really cool. So all that kind of stuff made me realize, wow, this beauty is kind of like, it's becoming part of fashion. The beautification of fashion, the fashionification of beauty. Mm. So I, I then got interested in sort of covering that. And that, that made me write about beauty a bit more just on my blog. And then obviously people ask me to write about beauty. Um, and also, I think about four or five years ago, actually, you know, a, a friend of mine or contact of mine had been asked to consult on a beauty brand that was launching over here and she got me to work on the tone of voice so that was like the first official thing we did and then and then we ended up setting up um a a consultancy called the beauty conversation which went for about three years but the pandemic kind of like killed it off essentially we're working with quite a few small brands and they will have to put 
press pause on their yeah. on their project. But um, yeah, I love doing. I don't know. I'm just very curious, and I love the sort of anthropological side of fashion and beauty. You know, why people are into what they're into, identity, like what shapes them, all that kind of stuff. And those are the sort of formats of my book. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's not really intentional. In fact, the first one I wanted it to be very visual, kind of into the gloss type. Book. Oh, yeah. um, I think there's definitely an element of that in there with the photography, yeah. for sure. Yeah, I wanted the photography to be really kind of like raw and not styled. And so with both books, we interviewed people about, with the fashion one, it was actually, um, it's called The New Gloss on How to Be a Modern Gentlewoman. So I was identifying this, at the time, new sort of persona of woman who was into style, quite classic style, quite conscious consumerism, buying things because they love it and things that have a meaning to them and all this kind of thing. Not much beauty at the time but with those women that I found, mm-hmm. although two, three years later, I realized that woman was then getting more into beauty, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But we, um, we would interview them and photograph them in their space. And I didn't want to have any hair and makeup. But I wanted to keep it really real. I think one or maybe two people insisted on a makeup artist. <laughs> and even that was quite interesting. The ones who yes, were, interesting. they tended to be the older ones and the ones who were, um, I, got, I, I just more self-conscious about how they look, even though I thought they looked amazing. Um, even when we got the pictures back, they were like, okay, can I see the picture? Um, can you retouch my chin there? And I'm like, what? That's not what this book's about. That's so so it was quite an eye-opener just to see how people are. But actually most people were not like that, which mm-hmm. was great. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I guess that, that was the beauty. The beauty element was coming in through that. And, and in fact, when I was asked to do, having done the first book, they were like, okay, what are you going to do the second one? It needs to be somehow related to the first one. Oh my god! It took me years to come up with a follow-up because I couldn't think of anything. <laughs> and it was only when I realised actually this person has evolved their beauty. They're really into not really into, but they're much more into beauty now. And as is everyone, so like, what can we do for them? So I ended up doing a similar-ish format for the next book, just to sort of again talk about that person. And at the time when I pitched it, it was going to be just women. And then my commissioning editor said, "Should we have like maybe some men?" And it, it, my first instinct was to say, no, I'm in my head. It's already speaking to women. Mm. But straight away, I realized, no, no, she's right. I need to like completely open it up to all genders, in fact. So yeah. that was that was a really great move. It I was. I think it makes it a much more interesting book. It's a really interesting book. And what I do love is, you know, I've been writing about beauty for probably about the same amount of time, maybe like 15 years I've been writing about it. And there's always been like you said fashion it was always about fashion and no one really paid attention to the beauty editor that was like the fluffy filler um and now it's probably I can imagine some beauty advertising depending on which magazine has overtaken fashion it's become so big and I think during that time things have changed for me personally it used to be a lot more about the surface but now I just really want to know more about the person and why they do things like what you said, the, the culture behind it. And in your book, I love how no one's in there saying, I need a red lipstick. I need to do a full face. They're more talking about this is what helps me unwind. This is what makes me feel good. This is what makes helps me stay in touch with myself. I might see it as meditation. And everybody's very different, but I really got that feel from it that it's more about the rituals um, than putting a face on. It's lots of things, you know. It's about how you how you feel in your body, how something feels on your skin. 
And I felt that from everybody. Yeah, I'm glad you got that. And I really wanted to get that across. And um, I didn't want it to be a book that's just about, you know, a list of products that you need to have. Yeah. There is a section because yeah. inevitably people do want to know, well, how do I get this? So there is a, a shopping section, but I didn't want it to be a book all about like expensive products. You know, if you don't spend any money, you can still get a lot, a lot out of this book. Yeah. Um, and again, it's just, yeah, different ages of people and talking about, it's just being really honest, actually, and mm-hmm. and talking about the journey. And, and I just wanted to get across, especially for, well, young people and older people, people my age, there's, there's such a kind of culture of, um, and this is like a whole other discussion, I suppose, there's such a culture of, of kind of modification, not modification, but having to like perfect yourself and flawlessness and like, I must get rid of my wrinkles. And it's like, no, you don't have to. There, there's really nothing wrong. It's completely normal. Okay, fine. I understand. Like, I feel not really self-conscious, but the only thing that slightly bothers me is having like my 11s between 11s, my eyebrows. But yeah. That's because I don't want to feel, don't want to look angry or like in a mood. <laughs> like you're frowning But equally like, yeah. why, why, if, if you are angry or you're in a mood, why shouldn't you look angry or in a mood? Like it's, it's your self-expression. But, but equally, I don't want to look angry when I'm not angry. So, <laughs> so there is that. But at the same time, maybe I can just say that because I'm lucky to have the skin and you know, if I had big jowls and huge exactly. wrinkles, maybe I wouldn't be saying that. So, you know, I'm quite sort of sympathetic to it all. But at the same time, I do feel like people don't realise that we have been brainwashed by the media, by advertising. It's not our fault that we think this. But I'm hoping that the next generation, if we can get that message through to them, at least they know they have a choice and that they don't have to look flawless and perfected. They can just, you know, look like them. I hope so. Because I feel like with each generation, there comes a different problem, you know, that they're dealing with. And I feel Instagram made the whole filter thing or everyone looking like Kim Kardashian really, like, a thing and I do see like younger people on Instagram you know I've always had issues on and off with hormonal acne and I see younger people way worse acne if you know there's levels of it that I I know I wouldn't leave the house with and they are there on Instagram taking pictures saying this is me I love this version of me oh and I can wear makeup as well I'm not saying I'm hiding it but I'm wearing makeup for the fun of it I'm just like wow good for you like I didn't have that so I feel like we must be doing there must be some good things happening as well do you know what I mean so it's I like what you said about you're not dismissing the metaverse it's like it's not up to us to dismiss things we just have to observe and take in what works for us and just let things evolve yeah I don't think you can dismiss things if you haven't experienced them because that's that's ignorance yeah yeah. And there's a lot of that around. We don't do that. <laughs> no, we don't. Um, gosh, I feel like I could talk to you all day, Navarre. It's so cool. Um, what is your writing process? Um, that's a good question. It's quite convoluted. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. Um, because I like I, I want to really enjoy writing. If I even if it's a commission, I want to enjoy it. I hate writing to a deadline that's like too soon. I don't like rushing. Yeah. Um, so I tend to kind of like do things in longhand. <laughs> what? I tend to I tend to write in longhand with pen a pen, and paper. pen and paper. Oh my god! Yeah, to start with, like I could never just open my laptop and go. Duh, 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 duh. I just I can't even type actually. I can only type with one finger. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wrote my book in longhand. Although what I mean is, I start in longhand right. to get the juices flowing, 
And it actually works. It's almost like drawing. I realized that's probably why. It's like drawing to me. Right. So the physicality of writing speaks to my brain and that gets me writing. And then like once I've kind of got the beginning going, then I'll type it up and then I can carry on typing or not. Or I might print it out and then write on that. Right. <laughs> quite a like quite a process. But I really kind of like that's how I enjoy it. And is it quiet um, or is it in a tiny room or I can't write with um I can't write with music. I don't know how people do that actually. I would just want to sing along. So <laughs> I can't do that. I like to be I like to have like ambient noise. I like to go to a cafe or somewhere that's not at home. And then I do have this really great if there is like kids or whatever like making proper noise there, there's a really great um well, there's a couple of YouTube things called binaural beats which I don't know what they are. You probably know what they are. Yeah, it's got a rhythm underneath the sound yeah. that helps you zone, get in the zone. Yeah, and they really work. Like, time goes so quickly. So I put that on, or I'll just sort of, like, have, like, human humming, buzzing noise in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, and my coffee. So, yeah, I make it into a ritual. I make it into a ritual that I actually enjoy. And that kind of gets me into the zone. And then if I just need to hurry up and finish it, then I can just come back and, like, try and bash it out. But as much as I can, I try to enjoy it. And, you know, the problem is I love researching. So I don't know about you, but halfway through, inevitably, you're writing something on the computer. You have to sort of keep checking things, don't you? Yes. Like spellings, yeah. even. Yeah. Or, and I, I'm, I'm always fact-checking as I go along, which, like, I don't know if that's the way to do it. No one talks Well, properly, I don't but... know if anyone fact-checks anymore, Navarre. Oh, my gosh. I think they're getting used to pe- certain people's skim reading, not really reading the whole article. Like I've seen people charging for access to their websites and it's full of typos. And I'm just like, wow. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I have to say, I can't understand people who don't, I think you and me are quite similar. I mean, I'm very meticulous. And if I publish my own blog post, I straight away get my phone. I do it on my computer, but straight after it's published, I check it on my phone. I proofread it on my phone. Yeah. Because that's when you notice the typos. And then you go back in and you change them. But I don't think they do that on other publications. So, oh. yeah, so that's, that's my process. It's, it tends to be, um, can be quite convoluted. And, and I love researching. I kind of like going down rabbit holes. But then that kind of like makes the article better, obviously. Because Always. Because something out of left field that you haven't thought of. Yeah. Tell me what you're loving right now personally, because... I feel like you have a lot of things on. Potentially you might be busy as in at your desk a lot. What are the things that you like to do when like, okay, work is done. What are the things that you like to do for yourself to kind of feel like, okay, I'm relaxed. I'm I'm in a good place. I mean, at, at the moment, it's really, I just, I just want to get out of the house and kind of like interact with people. Although saying that, um, I do, especially it's spring and like the weather's getting better I kind of definitely feel the urge to get out and interact and you know just feel life again but I there is a part of me that's you know because I am an introvert so the whole kind of like yay everything's opening up let's go out and like catch up I'm like oh my god no that's yeah. quite exhausting I can only manage like one person a week <laughs> me too and if I have a podcast I'm like that's it that's my interaction <laughs> yeah so like so in my head it's kind of like yeah go out and like see people and, and do everything but in real in real life it's doing that in moderation actually one thing I'm loving is going to the cinema again like proper old school cinema I yeah. love it I love the um in London the Prince Charles cinema which is like 
I think it's the only independent cinema in the West End. And then they show like current films and then they show cult films. And I'm really like playing catch up on all the films I missed missed out on over the last decade <laughs> that I haven't seen to see it in like in a proper cinema it's brilliant so Love I'm just it. doing old school stuff like that and um that's kind of ticking my boxes yeah it's that whole it takes you out of the world because it's so dark and it just takes you absolutely out. you can't you can't like multitask in there <laughs> and you it, I that's what I love about it and yes it's very expensive like popcorn is just super expensive etc <laughs> but you know it's part of the experience so I I really like it and I I'm a big fan you know, big believe in like supporting the culture so you need to sort of like go and support it otherwise they will just die yeah so, so yeah, I love doing that. And again, it's a social thing. Yeah, it's like social, but you don't have to talk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you talk after. Afterwards, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I, I dissect the film and realise that you, you both essentially saw a completely different film <laughs> because you were taking away completely different things. But you know, that's what's so amazing about it. I feel like I have to ask you because I do love your style. I love your haircut, and I'm seriously thinking about this week. I've been seriously thinking about cutting my hair short. Um, I have to ask, what's your favourite film? Oh, my God, my favourite film <clears throat> is probably something off the top of my head. I'll probably say um, Desperately Seeking Susan because that's, that's <laughs> always been my favourite film. So is that eight, was that 80s? Well, yeah, it's definitely 80s. I would say it must be mid to late 80s. Have I you seen it or not? It. No, I've just <laughs> seen Madonna videos where the big song, Get Into the Groove, that's yeah. from that film, I think. <clears throat> yeah, it's actually a pretty good film. I mean, it's not the best film ever, but it's a pretty good film. Like, the story's quite good, the acting's okay. quite good. Madonna is great in it. Um, it's not a terrible film. Like, it, I always it, thought it that good. it was, like, <laughs> one of those not-so-great films, but because it was Madonna, but no, you're no, saying no, no, it's no. actually I decent. I actually do think it's good. Yeah, and, and in fact, now that you said that, I think at the time it probably was sort of slightly dismissed. But... Um, yeah, I don't. I don't put it in the category of cheesy films that you only see once. Okay. I would definitely see it whenever there's a chance to see it. So you would probably like it. Okay. It. Well, I lo- I love Madonna. I mean, not the current Madonna because she's no, definitely not. Yeah, <laughs> doing some strange <laughs> things. But um, final question: When do you feel just the most you? I mean, yeah. Again, I think it's just when I'm out there with people that know me really well, not on social media. Like I use social media for really for work to promote my, my, my blog essentially and promote my work. So I'm not really my kind of like silly, immature, sweary self on social media. Whereas in, in real life, like in small groups of people that know me really well, I can be just, yeah, myself without filtering myself. So I guess, just like on a day where I'm out at the weekend, yeah, hanging out with my with my mates, dinner or whatever, just relax. That's cool. That's the time. And did that? Do you think you appreciate that more since the pandemic? Probably, yeah. I think I do. I have I have done the last the last few weeks. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's only when you really sort of like, when you ask the question, I don't really ask myself that question generally, but if you think about it, you're like, yeah, that is what I, what I do appreciate. Well, what did you think? I personally love this chat and I really hope you did too. 
Let me know your thoughts over in the DMs at Beauty Me Podcast or email beautymepodcast at gmail.com. Also, did you know that I have a newsletter? This week, it's all about that Rihanna Vogue shoot, and I think I'm the only person on the planet that doesn't love it. Sign up at beautymenotes.substack.com to find out more. See you next time.